What's up, Ego Hackers? Welcome to the C.S. Joseph Podcast. This is uh, Season 14, Part 4, Episode 2. And uh, basically, it's can an ESTJ and an INFP have a great sexual relationship together? And basically, where we're talking about the concept of colloquial duality as opposed to true duality. True Duality is starting this month. It's season 14, part 2. We also are at part 3, and we also have season 14, part 2. Both of these will be available in the premium section for premium lectures uh, in uh, the members area for the journeyman members. And season 14, part 1, which is focusing on golden pairs, also known as the affection relationship, is available uh, among the uh, Discover uh, lectures, which is at csjoseph.live forward slash portal, for those of you that care. That being said, let's just get right down to the content. So, if you remember in the previous episode, which is episode one for season 14, part four, uh, we talked about colloquial duality versus what true du- duality was. And it is a concept that originally comes from socionics. Socionics is the source of the duality-related theory. And... According to Socionics, duality is the absolute best relationship, romantic relationship, that anyone could potentially have. And if you actually spend some time going back to that video and actually read the comments for that video, you can see that the premise that I put forward in that video, the fact that people in general do not know the difference between colloquial duality versus true duality true duality being the actual definition of duality as put forward by socionics and uh, colloquial duality which is what everyone thinks that socionics is actually trying to say about duels but the thing is though is that the colloquial duality is ultimately false it is completely false however it's such a regularly accepted perspective and a regularly accepted point of view on the internet because most people are completely unaware of the fact that Socionics has a completely different lettering system when it comes to lettering uh, the 16 types. Uh, more specifically, the introverted versus the extroverted types. So as a result of that distinction, and most people don't really know about that, they assume that true duality, like for example, this particular episode is about ESTJs and INFPs, They assume that that's what true duality is, but no, it's the colloquial version. It's the generally accepted version, and it's not actually anything based on truth, etc. So, that kind of sucks, right? It sucks overall uh, that there's this confusion out there. And true duality, according to Socionics, is what we call the natural pairs, also known as bronze pairs, which... We have an amazing lecture series coming out in csjoseph.life forward slash members, aka the Journeyman membership area, uh, at the end of this month. I believe uh, the first episode should be dropping hopefully this Friday and the one uh, the following week as well. Uh, It's going to be awesome. The first episode is going to be the ESTJ and INFJ relationship. The second episode will be the ESTP and the INFP relationship. Uh, So yeah, all of a sudden, INFPs are not the uh, final episode in the series, which is a little different than what we've typically done. And and fair enough, the INFP is also the first uh, (laughs) type that we're talking about within Season uh, 14, Part 4. 
so yeah season 14 it's the relationship season we got part one which is about golden pairs slash affection part two which is about the pedagogue types also known as the companion relationships part three which is about the bronze pair also known as natural relationships and part four where we're talking about colloquial duality which is basically what would happen if you got into a relationship with your exact polar opposite right as we utilize this content to further dispel the bs lie out there it's like yeah uh opposites do not attract actually they don't and uh anytime you ever say that you're kind of like don't know what you're talking about in terms of relationship it's more of uh think about it like when you're cleaning up a carpet likes dissolve likes that's kind of uh that's kind of the argument that uh i would uh make as a result so anyway this season is about colloquial duality this is we're going to be discussing uh the wrong way and if you want to know what the right way is in terms of duality you'll have to become a member to find out so the wrong way what is the wrong way the wrong way that you know most people think is what socionics is actually talking about and honestly including myself i was a uh, i was a victim of this concept myself I, uh, that really sucked. Uh, being a, a victim of it myself, I, I really just, or maybe me making Socionics a victim of myself, I guess, depending on how you say it, I too assumed that, for example, an ESTJ plus INFP relationship actually was uh, a duality relationship, according to Socionics, but no, that's not true. I, I was completely wrong. And again, like I said in the previous episode, I apologize to uh, World Socionics Society and uh, the Socionics people out there who are actually doing it correctly, not colloquially. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I totally understand your guys' position on me before, and that was basically their primary concern about what it was I was saying. They also, of course, don't like that I use the traditional MBTI lettering system and not their lettering system because it's technically accurate and superior in every way, and honestly, I, I agree with that. But it doesn't make for good SEO, so that's why we stick to using the, uh, the MBTI, um, the MBTI uh, lettering system in terms of describing 16 personalities because it's very Googleable. I mean, hell, even the Central Intelligence Agency here in the United States utilizes the MBTI as a way to uh, profile people that work for them and potentially people that they're targeting. Who knows? So, regardless, that's that's why we're doing this. But really now, because, you know, seven-minute introduction, but really now, can an ESTJ and an INFP make it together within a relationship? This is one of the more interesting uh, things before because to, to claim whether or not these relationships actually happen or don't happen, they do happen. They do happen. They happen a lot more often than people actually think. In fact, one of the uh, colloquial duels that I have experienced that happens a ton in my life is actually ENTJ and ISFP, and that's going to be a very fascinating episode when we get to it. But like that's, it, it's an extremely common thing to see those two types getting together on a regular basis, and it's just... It's just really, really fascinating to me how that happens. But how do colloquial duels actually end up together? Like, what ends up happening? You know, how, how is the fact that we're observing polar opposites here competing for the same exact uh, 
cognitive origin, right? They're competing for cognitive origin. They're basically competing for everything with their ego. And uh, how, how is it these people, as polar opposites, even end up together to begin with, right? And honestly, the answer is really, it's human nurture. Human nurture is what's actually dictating the situation here. It's not nature. And it's also because of the neutral impact from multiple sources. Some of those sources could be like your nuclear family. Uh, the most common source, uh, in my opinion, this is an opinion, is actually church. Uh, secondary source would be anything that's like community related or maybe if you're in a cult, for example, like I was when I grew up, you know, but, um, or some kind of organized religion or heavily uh, maintained belief system. But at the end of the day, it's these external factors outside of a person's nature that is impacting their nurture and thus causing them to make these horrible relationship decisions in terms of like selecting a partner uh, to share their sexuality with or even build a family with. It's, it's an absolute nightmare. And I do not recommend this relationship, but that's not what this lecture is about. I've been very clear since the beginning that this is not a very good relationship to be in when it comes to sexuality, but, but why? And how does it happen, Mr. CSJ? Well, the thing is, though, is that, like, here, here's, another, here's another interesting concept that causes duality, uh, colloquial duality relationships. Arranged marriage. We haven't really talked a lot about arranged marriage, but arranged marriage has a really, really bad nurtural psychological component to it that most people don't realize. Now, granted, I'm not exactly against arranged marriage. There is an argument for arranged marriage. But the thing is, though, is that I, I'm expert intuition hero, so I'm a little bit biased in terms of like not being for arranged marriage because I like people being given the choice because I'm an expert intuition hero. I'm all about giving people options. I'm all about people's freedom. I'm all about people having freedom of choice, right? That's what I'm all about. I'm all about my freedom of choice. So arranged marriage can actually end up you know flying in the face of that so obviously it's probably like not the biggest investment you know for me or or anyone else per se but arranged marriage ends up often creating colloquial dual pairs in relationships and this has been a similar issue it's because most times matchmakers who would typically set that that you know two sets of parents or families would hire to look into their children and whatnot it's those matchmakers who would actually rely on the old adage of opposites attract and whatnot. They'd also rely on the Zodiac. They'd also rely on just absolute bullshit resources. Uh, in some cases, in the 1900s, they actually relied on Freudianism, which is ridiculous to me. And I'm just like, why can't we just use Jungian analytical psychology when it comes to considering arranged marriage, right? arranged marriage might actually be, there might actually be something to it if the people that were being presented to one another by the matchmakers were being presented by uh, their affection relationship or the natural, which is like the golden pair versus, uh, you know, true duality, which is the natural relationship. Those relationships, sure, I could potentially get behind arranged marriage within that context. But given the fact that, you know, matchmakers are usually out of their mind, don't know what they're talking about, 
and completely undereducated with this sort of thing, and they make tons of money doing this service for people, but at the end of the day, they don't know what the hell they're talking about. This is one of the reasons why eventually, like, Ucha as an application is going to have dating features so that, you know, oh, Mr. C.S. Joseph, uh, it's really nice to hear that you're going to be, you know, the world's matchmaker, you know, with your awesome AI and algorithmic system uh, that you're going to be building consistently. That sounds fantastic. Okay, yeah. Yeah. It's coming, folks. It's going to be here. You're going to be able to live your life by it. And safely. It's going to be a great match matchmaker. But guess what? Ultimately, at the end of the day, the decision is still yours, right? So, let's imagine you were, like, in India and whatnot, and you were having arranged marriage, and your parents paid for a matchmaker, or someone else's parents paid for a matchmaker. And uh, when that happened, it's like, all of a sudden, they're like, okay, yeah, here, meet my daughter, meet my son, it's an ESTJ, an INFP, oh, crap, it's happened. But here's the thing. These two people are usually virgins, right? They're usually virgins. And that's the thing. They don't have any other sexual experience with anyone else. And because they're two introverted sensors, they lack the extroverted sensing to see what other people are doing. And they also lack the introverted intuition to really even want something else. It's not like the NI critic of the INFP is really gonna you know, get them anywhere. It's not like the NI trickster of the ESTJ is going to get them anywhere. So, this relationship oftentimes can work sexually, even though it's completely wrong, uh, because if they have no previous sexual experience whatsoever, and they're not really interested in exploring additional sexual experiences, it's likely that they're just going to end up together and stay together for a long time, and they wouldn't really have to deal with the sexual incompatibilities of their relationship as much as they would have to deal with the... Um, with the uh, emotional incompatibilities. And the emotional incompatibilities of this particular relationship is absolutely far worse. What I've noticed in my travels is that when it comes to colloquial duality, uh, people who get with their opposites, the introverted sensors have a much easier time getting along with one another uh, than the extroverted sensors do from a sexual perspective. But that's only if the introverted sensors do not, both of them are virgins at the beginning and do not have a sexual history or sexual experience with which they can draw upon or compare upon. This is one of the reasons why women should not have many uh, body counts because men understand and don't like, uh, due to males' needs for uh, sexual validation, according to chapter 17 of Matthew Hussey's book, uh, Get the Guy, and if you're a woman you should read that, especially if you're a masculine woman. But the point is, uh, due to uh, this, the, the standard male need for sexual validation, having to compete with the other men that a woman has slept with, and she remembers all those sexual encounters in her head, and she's constantly comparing you to those people, that's just a lot of emotional baggage that men don't need, and this is why women's value is reduced after they have more sexual partners because of the emotional connections they have between them. I don't care if they're an expert sensor. I don't care how much they destroy all the memory totems and all the reminders of those previous men that they've had in their life. The reality of the situation is men just know that instinctually, instinctively, that women just can't let go because women are not built to let go in that regard. You know, so as a result, it's, it ends up becoming a huge problem. So SI user on SI user relationships can actually work under that context because the context of them both being virgins, that is. So, just be aware of that. Just be aware of those changes or those differences. 
time to uh, have a bit of a smoke here. So yeah. So let's let's actually talk about like what actually happens in this relationship after they they're like committed and they're married and they think they're like doing something good. Maybe they're doing something for the family. Maybe they're like, oh, it's we're doing the right thing because we're going along with the matchmaker because we're two affiliative types, right? Maybe that's exactly what's got to, you know, maybe that's what's going on here. Which, you know, is a pretty big shame. Why would we be okay with that, right? So, let's avoid that. You know, let's, let's avoid this relationship entirely, trust me. So let's start with the first thing, cognitive origin. What is the cognitive origin of ESTJs and INFPs? What is it that they are seeking the most? Remember folks that colloquial duels all have the same cognitive origin. And that right here is at the very root of the problem with these two types actually being in a sexual relationship. Let me see if I can pull this out of the sun. There we go. That's much better. Much better. Yeah, that ends up becoming like a huge problem is because they're it's like, hey, you know, we have the same cognitive origin, then their cognitive origin is uh, authority and power. INFPs and ESTJs out of all the 16 types seek out authority. And if they're in a relationship, they're basically power hungry. You know, relationship or not, an ESTJ and an INFP, they're just power hungry people. The reason why is because they have feelings of powerlessness all the time. And if they feel powerless, they end up getting slothful, they end up giving up on life. And it really comes down to how much power they actually have. But in a relationship, especially from like the red pill perspective, for one person's sexual strategy, uh, you know, to work in a relationship, the other person has to ultimately surrender. So which means that one out of these two people end up having to surrender their power and authority to the other. Somebody in the relationship has to be dominant. And according to an essay that my father wrote uh, for uh, his college paper at one point in time, someone's always got to be on top. Which is true. Someone always has to be on top when it comes to being in a relationship, right? So surrender and surrendering power and surrendering authority within the context of a relationship is extremely hard to do for an ESTJ or an INFE regardless of which gender they are. If they are the woman or the man in the relationship, they have to give up power, which is going to feed their further feelings of powerlessness. And if they have a sexual history, that's going to get even worse because they're likely to cheat at that point. It doesn't matter if they're a man or a woman, they're likely going to cheat. It's especially likely that they're going to cheat if they're a woman, though. Especially likely. And even especially likely beyond that, if it's an INFP woman. Because then you have to deal with their treachery, um, their treachery vice, which could be a huge problem as well. So watch out for that. Seriously, seriously, watch out for that. That could be a huge problem. And a lot of people aren't even aware of that risk when it comes to relationships. Because here's the thing. These two types have the exact same cognitive functions in their ego. It's extroverted thinking on axis with introverted feeling. It's extroverted intuition on axis with introverted sensing. When you have people with the same exact functions in a relationship, they are literally in a, a state of competition with each other at all times. They end up competing for the same thing. 
it's like so you have the ESTJ and the INFP now the INFP they have introverted sensing optimistic whereas the ESTJ has introverted sensing pessimistic the introverted sensing optimistic person the INFP will always put their comfort above the ESTJ so the ESTJ will be forced to take a secondary role within the relationship to the dominant role of the introverted sensing so the comfort level of the INFP is the one who who ends up dominating the relationship which could put the ESTJ in a position of being uncomfortable you think that's going to work or here's the other thing extra intuition child is optimistic and will always put its need to be desirable over that of the INFP and the INFP will always have to compete with and take second place of well they're all about being wanted and people are inviting them more often they're always gonna end up having a problem with that every time like literally every time they will always have a problem with that and you know the INFP will end up getting envious or potentially jealous over the fact that people want the ESTJ more often than them you know but then the ESTJ will just throw it back in their face and just be like well you're always putting your comfort above me so at least I get this and you get that right so it ends up having to be a trade just for the sake of facilitating the relationship to begin with right just for that purpose but do you think that's actually going to go anywhere? Or here's another thing. Extroverted thinking inferior versus extroverted thinking uh, hero. Inferior functions always, always take precedence above everything. So the INFP will always put their reputation above the reputation of their ESTJ partner. Always. Just as much as the uh, ESTJ will always put their principles and their morals and how they feel and about their own internal decision making always above the INFP. They'll always do that. And that too will just be a big problem, a bigger problem. Seriously, a bigger problem. They're competing for the same things. You know, sometimes at first in the beginning of the relationship, they realize they can share comfort, they can share reputation. But at the end of the day, this is a sexual relationship. They're looking for the other partner to fulfill that aspect of their relationship. And their other partner isn't because their other partner is trying to get it from them. So they end up just draining each other constantly. And this is like, this ends up creating a relationship where they don't even have any sexual contact whatsoever. They don't even want sexual contact from each other because the other person eventually will just gross them out. And this is like the kind of relationship you hear about when the only time that they actually ever have sex is in an attempt to have a child. Other than that, they will never, never get there. And if their relationship stays together, it's only able to stay together because they're outsourcing sexuality to other people that are not even in their marriage. That's it. You know? And then on, and on the emotional side, they're completely emotionally bereft. You have the FI inferior of the ESTJ versus the FI hero of the INFP and at that point, they start to out-selfish each other. They go out of their way to out-selfish each other. And when that happens, you have two extremely slothful people. I have had the tragedy of witnessing what the home would look like between these two types. It is the dirtiest environment you've ever seen. No one is cleaning anything. No one is taking care of anything. There could literally be fecal matter all the place, bugs everywhere, no one's lifting a finger to do anything. Why? Because the other person isn't doing anything. And their shadows are just mirroring each other and you know, like you have ENFJ shadow versus ISTP shadow. 
and they just hate each other and they're too proud to do it because it's like well i'm not going to invest any more in this relationship until i see you investing but the other person within the relationship already has that point of view to begin with so then it just ends up becoming an endless downward spiral which sucks which sucks entirely it's absolute hell on each other and then it's also absolute hell on the children that they may have as well god forbid that they have children and then if they have an expert feeler child well that child is the fe for the family and that child is going to be really really like like from a neutral standpoint that child if they're the fe user they're going to be forced to develop the side of the mind that uses extroverted feeling the most like they will be forced into it hardcore right same thing goes if there's a child that that they have that has introverted intuition that child is going to be like always constantly making choices always being given choices all the time and ultimately will rule their parents life ultimately because both parents are like well what do you want what do you want which is very dangerous to give to a child constantly because that child's going to grow up thinking like hey you know, I can get anything I want whenever I want because my parents always give it to me and that's what life is really about. No, no, it's extremely unhealthy. This is why ultimately these relationships should not really be allowed to exist. But they do exist because of human ignorance, because of the affiliative being the buffer against survival of the fittest. The affiliative church saying like, you know, you can't have sex before you're married. Or the church saying like, you know, pressuring people, uh, you know, get married, get married, get married early. You know, that's why people in the church get married early because they're not allowed to have sex until they're married anyway, which is a bullshit teaching. It's not even biblical. People think it's biblical because of mistranslation and uh, biblical interpolation, but that's not correct, especially since the Old Testament does not exactly line up with the, uh, the New Testament does not exactly line up with the Old Testament when it comes to understanding how sexuality actually works. There's no concept to it. So that ends up becoming a huge problem. A very huge problem. A lot of people just are completely unaware of this phenomenon. Stop doing it. You're making everybody else suffer, including yourself. You know, ESTJs, they love being stoic. There's nothing stoic about this relationship. INFPs like to look good in front of the people and be philosophical looking and intelligent looking and oh they're such a good person because they're staying in their marriage no they are just becoming a burden to themselves a burden to their partner and a burden to every other person in their life they are literally causing suffering to themselves and other people by staying in this relationship they really need to stop but you know the best thing to do is prevent the relationship from occurring in the first place right but hey if you are in a colloquial duel guess what you need to do you need to have external sexual relationships and emotion like this is a situation where i recommend both partners actually have affairs it's one of the very few times you'll say that i'm totally cool with having affairs this is it the thing is make sure you have your affairs your sexual affairs your emotional affairs you do it with permission that's the thing that's the key you got to do it with permission you're in a committed relationship with your colloquial duel make sure you do it for with permission so extroverted thinking it's like hey you know my reputation above yours introverted sensing is like hey my comfort above yours extrovert intuition is like hey my desirability above yours 
introverted feeling is like what I value and how I make decisions above yours. That's not a relationship. That is completely not a relationship. And it's so sad for me to like to watch the INFP like constantly using their SI child, trying to share what they did for the day with the ESTJ and the ESTJ just doesn't care. That extroverted sensing credit's just like, meh, don't care. I only care about what I did today. I don't care what you did today. The house is not fire on fire, so the dishes are done, so great. That's all I care about. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna do some eye racing while you're, uh, whatever it is you're doing. Oh, you're just playing on your phone as usual, who cares? There's like, like the only, like there's only like love and labels and love and word, but there is no love indeed when it comes to this relationship, guys. It is entirely toxic. I mean, you know, towards the people closest to their life, it'll be pointed towards their partner, or it will ultimately end up in suicide. Which is statistically likely going to be the man of the relationship committing suicide. You know, while the woman gets all of the assets, gets basically everything, if she doesn't initiate that divorce by the time she hits development phase, which she's likely to anyway, and then she ends up getting to take half of the assets at a minimum on top of alimony, on top of child support, and the man just basically becomes a slave for the rest of his life. This is why I tell men, don't get married. Really, don't get married. It's not worth it. So, it's a huge problem. I mean, seriously, how could you, how could you be in a relationship like that? Camaraderie, which is what colloquial duels are based on, camaraderie only has really one value, and that is to teach each other and for personal growth. It is the master and apprentice relationship. Now, I understand that you know sometimes colloquial duels can get together based on having that teacher's pet relationship, and it's like nothing, it's like the student having a sexual relationship with the professor okay yeah sure and that's basically the overall theme of what this relationship is especially among ESTJs and INFPs because those are the two professoral types as part of the mind temple right so yeah I could see how that would happen and how like there's some neutral attraction there based on the fact that this person has a lot of power and I want to be powerful like them so I'm gonna have a sexual relationship with them so that their ability to gain power and authority in their life rubs off on me. That is one way that this camaraderie-based relationship can start based on that initial attraction. But it's very short-lived, and it should never be anything beyond a fling, seriously. Never. It is not something to build a family on. It is not. You know, and, and women within colloquial, um, and women within colloquial duels they're more open to having camaraderie, sexual relationships than men are because men actually have an intrinsic need for compatibility, whereas women have an intrinsic need for camaraderie, right? Because, you know, women's friends, you know, when they're having friends who are women, they prefer those friends to have camaraderie instead of compatibility. And women only usually save compatibility for their relationship with their dad, if that happens, their relationship with their husband, or their relationship with their sons but they don't really have compatible relationships with any other person in their life. Maybe a couple of women here and there, but that might be one out of five women that are their friends. The other four out of five are all camaraderie-based. And it's because women are more pragmatic when they get together. Men, it's the opposite. Men want compatibility all the time because men don't really have a source of unconditional love in their life. Whereas women do have sources of unconditional love in their life as a result of masculine idealism based in men right 
So that's the issue. That's what ends up happening, right? So camaraderie, it's very short-lived. You know, it's like, okay, yeah, I actually was able to learn from you and get and understand how to gain more power and authority in my life, gain my cognitive origin, because you have your cognitive origin. But let's not make a family out of this. Yeah, definitely don't. Because they're just constantly competing. I mean, you know, and here's the thing, like, the nemesis function, it's just even worse. You know, the INFP is, like, so worried about not being caring enough which can sometimes hit the FI inferior, but it's usually not good enough because they're expecting the FI inferior to care more instead of being carried towards the FI inferior, which just alienates the ESTJ. And then the ESTJ is worried about what they know as to whether or not what they know is actually accurate or intelligent to begin with. So they put a lot of stress on the INFP to research and to actually like help them verify what they know. But the INFP just ends up getting super stressed out and getting very afraid that the information that they will provide is not good enough. And then they're at risk of having their power and authority being taken away anyway. That would suck. That would suck a lot. That would suck a lot for the INFP, you see. Just their nemesis functions are extremely dangerous. You know, and, the, and, then, and then their critic functions. Do you think NI critic is actually going to be able to satisfy any child? It's not going to happen. Do you think SI child is actually going to be able to satisfy expert sensing critic and vice versa? It's not going to happen. They can't. You know, it's like it's like expecting, you know, to have a close relationship between a grandmother, grandfather with a grandchild. It just doesn't happen, folks. So that's why this relationship is ultimately toxic and should be completely avoided at all times and at all costs. Seriously, like, stay away from it. Stay away from this relationship. I, I, I don't recommend it. I absolutely do not recommend it. And eventually, like, because they're competing for power and authority, eventually they will start taking away the other person's power and authority when they realize that the other person is not helping them gain power and authority, which they both intrinsically need because that is their cognitive origin, psychologically speaking, the relationship will ultimately decay that's a huge problem. Like I said, if they really care about keeping their relationship together, they need to outsource their sexuality and they need to outsource their emotions with somebody else. But then again, that's probably going to cause the relationship to ultimately break down and lead to divorce anyway. Because there's, they're realizing that the grass is actually greener somewhere else. And let me tell you folks, almost in every single case, the grass is definitely greener when you are in this relationship. Now, I challenge you folks, if you're in the audience and you have this relationship, I am so sorry. But if you have children and you want to actually keep your family together, you guys need to have a conversation and talk about giving each other permission to have sexual and emotional affairs with other people outside of your relationship. You need to basically agree to having an open relationship. Obviously, put limitations on resource sharing and having children with those other people and potentially welcome those other people as members of your family. But that's really the only way to save the relationship. Otherwise, you're at risk of just ending up giving up anyway. So that would like, you know, kind of suck. That'd suck a lot. So yeah. It's just, it's just really not worth it. This relationship is not worth it in any way shape or form you know 
And it's so funny, too, because this relationship ends up, like, their SI functions, they think that they can endure one another, and they really actually end up believing that the other person will change. And then they're all affiliative, trying to do the right thing so they're not judged externally by people at church or people in their cult or people in their community or people in their family. So they try to stick it together because they don't want to deal with the loss of regard, the loss of respect from other people. So it just ends up keeping the toxicity and the abuse going within the relationship, which is just entirely stupid because none of these types are actually willing to be honest with themselves. And that's why you often see ESTJs and INFPs in this situation for decades. I actually had a friend that I went to church with, same problem. She is an ESTJ, and she married the INFP son of our pastor, and they were together for many years, had multiple children, which is ridiculous, entirely ridiculous. I mean, he didn't even know that his first child wasn't even his, you know, and that really sucks. It really sucks, too. It sucks for sucks for their child it sucks for them like no one actually knows about it maybe they do by now hopefully but it was just a horrible situation and when you also figure alpha you know alpha alpha seed versus beta need it can also like you know due to hypergamy and due to the male sexual strategy that can actually make things even worse so it just ends up snowballing into this uncontrollable avalanche in life which will destroy everyone's life especially with western marriage laws and how western society is when it comes to things like marriage it's just not going to work out it's not really going to work out at all so stop while you're behind before you get behind her as my father would say like this is definitely a situation you want to avoid so 